It's a part of a road. It's, it's, your wages of sin is death. I put down here death in our human relationships, death in my spirit. That's my relationship with God. Death to the freedom that God designed for me. Death to the love God created me for. Here it comes, friend. of new life your word oh god your word to me making me all that i need to be word oh god means the world to me the world to me good evening everyone my name is john and you're listening to a word with god and i'd encourage you to open your bibles as long as you're not driving, Stan, right? We covered that last yes, week. We, we talked about this last week. As long as you're not driving to Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 23. And uh, we're going through a happy subject. And the title of this particular message is, The Wages of Sin is Death. Okay. <laughs> that's good that, news, that, that, yeah, sure that's, the next that message was, actually yeah. goes to the nice part of it. Yeah. Uh, but this is an overall series that we have going on, Stan. That's correct. Right? And the overall series is the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right. So in this particular part of the message, this is the second part of, you know, we did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what was in this one was actually the idea of having motivation. Mm-hmm. And motivation to be obedient, motivation to be mm-hmm. uh, a God, a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about motivation and why is it so hard to mm-hmm. keep motivated? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's really um, kind of simple in one sense. Motivation that lasts really is generated from love, not obligation, and not because I have to. And so it's like loving my wife. It's easy in the early days to love your wife. I mean, you're kind of infatuated, yep. and she smells better than your brother or your best friend, and uh, you love holding her hand, and she's got beautiful eyes to look into, and and she says kind of sweet things, and and it's just you know it's just amazing. And like, we dated from um, my wife was 15 when we started dating, and she was 19 when we got married. Mm. Which, like today, that's kind of like really bizarre, but that's the kind of the normal back when we started going out together. I can't imagine getting married at nineteen. I was I was my I was mentally a mess. Okay. <laughs> compared to yeah. compared to what I am even now. Okay. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying like nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a teenager. Yeah, it is. And 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 then by the time I was by the time I was 21, we had our first child, and by the time I was 25, we had two. 27 we had three and 30 we had four and so the whole thing of of um loving and motivation to keep loving is i mean i can serve my wife and and when you're infatuated you can serve this girl when you're first married but as diapers come in arguments and and the strange things that they do like my wife has this thing like she squeezes toothpaste in the middle of the tube it's just bizarre like why would anybody do that um when we were first married she um 
she had supper right the first week we were married. She had supper and we were back from our honeymoon mm-hmm. ready at five at night because her dad was home at five at night for supper. In our family, we milked cows and supper was kind of like seven, eight, maybe even eight thirty at night. And so, you know, she's waiting for me. Why aren't you home for it's like, well, it's the middle of the afternoon. Why are we eating at five? And after a while, things begin to wear on you. And kind of what was cute or what you were able to roll off, the motivation to keep rolling it off can dwindle and fall away. And the thing that keeps the motivation there is love. Hmm. Well, you know, and it's interesting when you say that, too, because I'm thinking I've heard people say we're just, you know, we fell out of love. We're just not in love hmm. anymore. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's more of, from what I can tell, the emotion rather than the wisdom or the or the experiential knowledge of yeah. it has kind of come up. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's probably the same when it comes to God. People will say, ah, yeah. you know what, I'm just, you know, it's just mm-hmm. not, I don't have that loving feeling right now. Yeah. Well, you watch people that come to, to Jesus. Well, like some will, will come and they investigate and they'll investigate for a year or two and, and they'll make a decision that, no, this isn't for me. Or they'll, they'll begin their journey with Christ and, well, kind of like the parable of the sower, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the cares of the world, the kind of the weeds of life come in, um, the enemy. We have an enemy called the devil, called Satan, who wants to snatch that seed away. And so in that time period where I'm testing these things and trying these things on to see, is this something I believe in? There's this time period where I, you know, I decide to walk that road and then I go, nah, that's not for me. So here, here's the motivation to keep going is if, if you've had that kind of experience with God, and we've said this before, that, I mean, if there's been no change, if nothing has happened, mm-hmm. if you said a prayer, if you walked an aisle and absolutely nothing went on, then you have to go back to the beginning and say, was this genuine? Was it sincere? Was it from my heart? Only you can answer that. And I sometimes I think we even become self-deceived in, in that area. And you will not be able to keep serving. You will not be able to persevere or keep going unless it's done from that motivation of love. It's like loving your wife. If, if, if it's not, if serving your wife isn't done from that motivation of love, you will fall flat. You will run out of gas. You will run out of steam. At some point, the annoying things she does, the annoying things you do, all the stuff of life gets in the way and and you choose to say that's it. And I like that because it, there's a choice that comes up here. Yeah. Right? And when it, when you're talking about choice, I mean, that that's part of submitting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to submitting. Mm-hmm. And again, when we're talking about it, rela- you know, relationship with, with mm-hmm. a husband and wife. It's not just, I have this feeling. There's a, there's a daily choice that you have to make. Sometimes, mm-hmm. some, honestly, sometimes it's a moment-by-moment choice, right? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do in these particular situations that come up? Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because I think... I personally would like it if when I became a Christian, God would just flip the switch and all of a sudden I go in automatic robot mode. Like data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now I'll do whatever God I, I have. I have my prime directive. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? And I just I just cruise. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And, and well, fortunately or unfortunately, one of the greatest gifts we have is choice. And it's also something mm-hmm. we have to struggle with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. When we get down the road into chapter 12, he's going to, Paul's going to give us this command, be being transformed. Mm-hmm. And it's middle voice, which means that it's, it's myself. I, I have to make this choice to allow God to transform me. Um, I can put the brakes on. My my uh, grandfather used to have this saying uh, that somebody's as stubborn as a hog on ice. And, and pigs, when they're on ice, like they lock up. You can't move the things. They just want to stand still. Like they, they're, they're just frozen in fear. Hmm. And sometimes we're frozen in our stubbornness with God. And we can see that in our relationships. I mean, there's been times where I've just been stubborn. I've known my wife is right. But do you think I am going to give in? Do you think I'm going to admit that? Do you think I'm going to back off? Because of that, only love is I look at her, I look in her eyes, and I love her. Will I make the choice and say, you know what? I'm wrong here. I have to back off. I need to serve her. Same thing with Jesus. That's the only thing that will keep us out of sin and to deny ourselves is our love for him and what he's done for us. Well, and, and this goes, I think, a bit to how we can learn how to be with, as an example, our own children. Yeah. In, in a way, right? I mean, you know, when, when my son goes to me and he says, I don't want to do this, and a response that I can't have, I try not to, is, <laughs> "You well, you're going to be doing it because I'm bigger than you. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I am physic- I'm, yeah. Physic- I'm physically stronger than you yeah. and you're going to do this. But I mean, realistically, I want him to make those choices. Yeah. Every parent wants their child to make the make the choices themselves, mm-hmm. good choices, mm-hmm. right? And you know, along the way, I you know, yeah. I don't think God is is pushing us into submitting. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wants us to make those choices. Yeah. The only motivator stronger than fear is love. Hmm. It's the only motivation that's stronger than fear. Fear is a strong motivation. But love is stronger still. Love will will propel you to greater things than fear ever will. I like that. All right, well, let's get going to the message, and then at the end we'll wrap it up. Number two, here's some more choices that define you. Here's a choice of obedience, verse 16. Do you not know? He's saying, has it escaped your attention? That when you present yourselves to someone as slaves, when you offer yourselves as a servant for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you you obey. You have a choice to serve, and you have a choice to obey. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to obey? He's saying here, you are only a servant. You're only a follower of the one that you actually serve. I mean, I can say, I'm going to come over and I'm going to serve you by cleaning your apartment. I'll be there next week at, at 8 o'clock Monday morning. And I never show up. Have I served you? No, I've lied to you. I've deceived you. I've put a sham up. I look one way. That's deceptive. So some people try and serve God. God, I will. God, I will. God, I will. And they're slumbering in the morning instead of serving what they've said. Don't, don't mess with God. Better to keep your ma- My grandfather used to say it's better to keep, you know, your sh- let people think you're a fool, but it's better to keep your mouth shut than to prove the real point that you are. I said that wrong. But anyway, you know where I'm going with that. Choice number one. 
either of sin, either not submitting to God, you can, you can obey sin, either of sin resulting and concluding in death, that's not the life of a Jesus follower. Choice number two, obey righteousness, or of obedience, submission to God and his word, obedience to God resulting in completeness to conclude. A result is a conclusion. You look at results and you have to come to conclusions when the results of tests and things that you look at, you come to a conclusion. Here's what's wrong. They, are, they don't have an overactive, you know, an overactive uh, thyroid. They eat too much chocolate. There's the conclusion. Tests, results, conclusion. Either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Number three, verses 17 to 19. Motivation. How to make the hard choices. They are hard. Don't you know? Choices are hard. There's something in front of you that, that, that appeals to you, and you know that's not for a, a, a Jesus follower. Well, it's not a walk. Some of you guys are black and white, okay? And everything is like a light switch. And you guys find it easy. You go, choice, not choice. Choice, not choice. Then there's other people who are dimmer switches. We take a while to get it. The light switches look at the dimmer switches and go, what is the problem? That you did that, you got the consequence, it's obvious, why didn't you? Dimmer switches don't get that. Light switches need to be gracious to dimmer switches. Dimmer switches need to listen to light switches and get some of the things that they get just like that. We need each other in this thing called the body. Motivation is an act of grace, verse 17, but... It's a comparative conjunction. He's, not, he's now comparing the, who you're going to serve to some things to think about. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. That word thanks there is grace. But grace is of God. Grace is from God. The motivation behind this is grace. Grace is something that comes from God. That you have the grace of God operating in your life as a gift. Be thankful. Motivation is a hard issue. That though you were in the past here, you were, means in the past, slaves of sin, you were under bondage, you became presently obedient, submissive from the heart. The core of who you are has changed. Happy Pentecost! Is that how you say it, or is it Merry Pentecost? Well, positive Pentecost? Yes, yes, positive. Happy. I don't know. I don't know much I don't about know Pentecost. either. What, I, yeah, no, I don't know. It's 50. Penta is 50, oh. so it's 50, 50 days after Passover. But you're, you're not like, mo- you're, you're like most Christians. Like They really don't know what Pentecost is all about either. Not much. But we're going to cure that. Okay. Because we, on the 26th of May, we are going to have an amazing evening where we're going to have a traditional Jewish Pentecost supper. We're going to have a, a, a guest speaker who's going to fill us all in. In fact, he's not going to speak. He's going to do it through drama. Mm-hmm. What would it have been like in the upper room at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up and this whole show got on the road? So it's on May 26th, 6 p.m., and that's at 112 Spadina Road West. Evangel Community Church. Now, how much does this cost? $40, $50 to come to no, this? No, $4 for an adult, children under 12, free. Oh, great. So 112 Spadina Road West. That's where we're having it. May 26, 6 p.m. Absolutely. See you there.
Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Um, let's try something different. What should I have for lunch? I found 13 lunch restaurants barely close to you. Okay. I, I, I don't like sushi. Oh, sorry. I don't like sushi. Okay. One of these sushi restaurants looks barely close to you. No, you weren't listening. I don't like sushi. <laughs> Try something. Is there a, is there a God? Yeah. Sorry, I missed that. Is there a God? I got to do it again. Is there a God? I'm really not equipped to answer such questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> would you like to marry me? Would you like to marry? I'd rather not say, Stan. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You can ask this thing anything, and it will tell you or find the answer for you. Paul is kind of like that. This next verse is his answer Surrey verse. And I would say, Paul's simple answer is for the wages. Why is it important to define my life? For the wages. That's the part of a soldier's pay. It could come in lodging. It could come in food. It could come in cash. It could come in travel if you were a Roman soldier. It's a part of a... It's, it's, your wages of sin is death. I put down here death in our human relationships. Death in my spirit. That's my relationship with God. Death to the freedom that God designed for me. Death to the love God created me for. A few weeks ago, Nick talked about love. You were created to be loved and to love. Sin messes with that. Sin destroys that. I was thinking, is there any good thing in death? Well, I put a seed in the ground and it dies and it grows something. So, I mean, some death there's some good in. If I have cancer cells and they die, that's, that's a positive thing. And, and I know that if I die, that I will be resurrected of a body like Jesus. So that sounds like an upgrade. That sounds good. But what about spiritual death? Well, death, death to self, that's got to be good. But there's a kind of death that has no good to it. And that's spiritual death in my relationship to God. There's no good thing in that. There's no benefit from any sin that allows me to engage in. There's nothing there. But there's a big contrast here. The free gift, not a wage. God is into gifts. The free gift of God is eternal life, life without end. And here's the source. It's in Jesus Christ our Lord. Five things. He is our salvation. He is our healing, both past, present, and future. He is our source of hope for today. He is the source of our new life. And he is the source 
of our hope for eternity. Choices. What's going to define you? How would you define yourself right now? And what does he want to do with your life? Okay, so Stan, when you were talking about pigs on ice, yes, or that was sort of hogs, I guess, right? Yeah, it was hogs on ice. I was going to say an interesting, uh, an interesting fact is I heard that you can actually bring a cow upstairs, right, into a house or whatever, okay, and they'll come, but it's almost impossible to get them to come down. Yes, they're rail. Oh, you know this probably from experience. Yeah, none of no, not experience. Oh. Just check it. Um, and it's funny because you're talking about, on, a, on an interesting side note, you're talking about Bessie and Bertha. Those are the trucks that you have, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And how you keep one around even though even though there's no need for it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to tell an interesting part to that story too for myself is when I was thinking about Bessie, my great aunt, mm-hmm. her name was Bessie. And, uh, and and the neighbors actually were talking to her at one point. So mm-hmm. how, did, how did you name your child Bessie? And they said, well, we've got a cow. And, uh, and the cow was, the cow's name's Bessie. And we decided to name our daughter after the cow. <laughs> okay. right? and, and the neighbor said, I can't believe you would do that. How would you be so cruel to name your daughter after a cow? And they said, well, she was a good milker. Oh, that's, this is a, that's a true story. Oh my. That's a true story. Um, but what I was going to ask you is, you know, you were talking about Bessie, you know, and keeping things around that really, really honestly, you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Right. Um, but why, why do people want to hold, there's a segue that comes here. Mm-hmm. Why do people want to hold on to their sin? Why do they want to hold on to useless things in their lives that aren't of any benefit mm-hmm. to them? Hmm. But usually because there's a perceived benefit. There's something familiar that they get from that sin that God wants to replace. God wants to give them, whether it's security, whether it's um, a value, comfort, God wants to be that source, but for them, the only thing that they have found that will give to them what they need, what they want, what they perceive they have to have, is X. Mm -hmm. And so to go from X to God, to go from whatever, you know, whether it's an addiction or whether it's some kind of a dependency, a codependency, when you move from that to God, the, the... Kind of like kind of jumping in midair and trusting that God is going to catch you. And doing that almost every time. Yeah. Right. And so for many people, they find that that it is it is easier to go back to what's familiar, mm-hmm. to the rut in their life. It's like it's like you know we're on a farm theme tonight. Let's go with yeah. a farm theme. If you have cows out in a field. Uh, they will follow the same path every time to the point where the path actually gets worn in. I've seen cow paths maybe even a foot lower than the ground around them. They follow the same path uh, with very little effort. They'll go into the same stall every night and b- because that's just what they do. Well, how many people do what they do? It's just because that's what I do. When I am when I am frustrated, when I am lonely, I open the fridge and I get out a, a big old pot of Baskin Robbins, and uh, and I feel better. Mm-hmm. God says, "I want you to come to me. I want you to embrace me and allow me to bring you that significance, to bring you that." Uh, comfort to bring you what you're looking for. I can be that in your life. 
but we're so familiar with the other thing and and connecting with God is like a relationship. I mean, we're, we've already been here in the pornography thing. Very easy to have a relationship with a picture. There is no relationship. Mm-hmm. It's one-sided. You do not have to converse with this person. You don't have to uh, tell them they look nice when maybe they don't. You don't have to eat their grits that that they cooked and they're all lumpy. You do, I mean, you, you don't have a real live giving, taking relationship. And so it's easy to go to that. And a picture is, yeah, is is so easy because you have no interaction or no work to it. Addictions are like that, and so you can go to the thing, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's pleasure of any kind. I mean, I mean, tell you, when I get stressed, I like to go and watch a movie and see things blow up. It's just so relaxing for me. But what does God want me to do? He wants me to come to him. Mm-hmm. And so like cows in a path that run a rut a foot deep, I will go back to what has worked or seemingly worked or sort of worked in the past as opposed to trusting God for the future. Well, and and a lot of that, a lot of the addictions that people have come back to needs that they have that are primary needs in their life, mm-hmm. right? If I've got this straight. So if you could, you know, love and then there's sort of the imitation of that, mm-hmm. right? Which would be, I guess, lust. Yeah. Um, you know, there's... Uh, fulfillment, and, and people are looking for those types of mm-hmm. needs that they have in their lives, but these yeah. are imitations that they're working through. Yeah. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So, and again, are there ways for people to uh, learn that that these are imitations, that these that the things that they're going to aren't the true values. And, and as an example, if, you know, if you're, if somebody's coming, you know, this, they're coming to Christ for the first time, mm-hmm. they have an addiction to, uh, pornography, they have addiction mm-hmm. to alcohol, they mm-hmm. have a drug addiction, they have whatever, whatever that is, mm-hmm. are, what are the, what are the, the ways for them to understand or to, you know, to really know that's not, this is an addiction. Here's the need that you have, the primary need that you have. Yeah. Here's how it's being filled. You know, you know, how, how do people try to figure that out? Jesus talked to a woman one time that had an addiction to sex and to being in relationship with a man, couldn't be without a man. And he talked to her about living water. And he said, um, normal water, when you drink it, you become thirsty again and you have to drink again. But I'm going to give you living water. I can give you living water where you will never thirst and you will be satisfied for good. Every addiction leaves you wanting more, needing more, desiring more. When Jesus fills your life, you become complete and it is enough. That's good. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for joining us this evening. And we're going to continue going through Romans. We're actually going to go through right from, we've been going right from verse 1, chapter 1, mm-hmm. right to the end of Romans. That's what we're Absolutely, doing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a great way of going through the Bible piece by piece. Mm-hmm. So we'd encourage you to join us next week for this as well while we continue going through Romans. And as always, remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes, friend.
of new life. 